Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Guys of Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. All right, it's Tuesday scoop time. Zolgad, Declan Goff, and of course, the star of the show, as always, the man with sunshine on his face because he brings sunshine to Score North with his scoop podcast and also his uh, hits with us on Tuesday and Thursday. Darren Doogie Wilson, Channel 5 Eyewitness News fame as well. Uh, Dukes, let's start here. Let's start with the question that I continue to get on Twitter, which is, when are the Vikings going to name a defensive coordinator? They conducted interviews last week. Um, the co-defensive coordinator from the Saints has, has now taken the Falcons job. I think a lot of people want Brian Flores, who was the Steelers linebackers coach. I think he remains a candidate for the head coaching job in Arizona. What is the update as the clock, I guess, in a lot of people's minds is ticking on the Viking search for Ed Donatel's replacement? Well, good afternoon, Judd. Good afternoon, Declan. Judd, I got the sense late last week from checking that a hire wasn't on the cusp. Now, I get it. As we sit here at 1215 Central on Tuesday afternoon, that's a little bit different than late last week. But I guess I would be surprised. Like, for example, if we get a press release in four hours or six hours before today is done, you know, I guess I would even be mildly surprised if we get a press release tomorrow. Not to say that one new conversation or something couldn't flip this, but I just haven't gotten the sense that like a hire is on the cusp of happening. Nielsen goes to the Falcons. My understanding is that's not like some sort of huge loss for the Vikings. I will offer up, I will be very surprised if Mike Petton is the hire. Brian Flores clearly is the home run hire. But yeah, does he get the Arizona job? Are we sure he wants this job? He has a really good relationship with Mike Tomlin. My understanding is the year in Pittsburgh went really well. So could there be a fit back with the Steelers if he doesn't get the Arizona job? Is there a different D.C. job? That's a possibility. So I'm still checking on that. Sean Desai is somebody clearly on their radar, interviewed a year ago, interviews again now. So, I mean, you could argue that he would be the safe hire. If you know that Flores is the home run hire, you can go safe with Desai. I will also add, I won't say the name, but I'm still checking on the possibility of one more name emerging. Not sure it would be much beyond one name, but the possibility of one more name coming into play. Would that be the Broncos, D.C., from last year? Well, I mean, I would think that's a name because to keep an I've, eye on, yeah. Yeah, I've heard that he is a guy, so... I, there, there's uh, some speculation that he actually might still be up for head coaching jobs as well. 
Like, I wonder if that's why this is sort of on a weird back burner when it's a immediate need. Um, because that would make sense. I did hear Desai impressed him though. So, I mean, and to your point, they've talked to him twice now. So it does, it, it does not sound like it's Brian Flores and a slam dunk for all the re- reasons that you painted. So it's, it's interesting. It's not done yet. And I think that, that your hunch is probably right. This is probably one more person that they'd like to talk to and they want him to be out of the mix completely somehow before they basically say, okay, now it's down to Flores and decide, or perhaps just decide. Well, yeah, and I mean, he wants to play those situations out. Now, he was in the mix for the Houston job, which seemingly is going to D'Amico Ryans, which yeah. to me is interesting because he bailed from the Vikings search a year ago saying he needed a bit more time. What the heck is so appealing, besides his history with the franchise, but what yeah. the heck is so appealing about that Texans job? Now, maybe I'm the fool because – Easy division. Maybe you can look at the landscape of that division for the next few years and say, okay, we can break through in that division. We can go get a quarterback. Yeah, it's unfortunate we won that, what, week 18 game when there was no reason to win that game. We being now speaking like Ryan's is going to take that job. But they can always maneuver. They can always, whether it's the Alabama quarterback or Ohio State quarterback, they can maneuver. They can go get a quarterback. But I'm just, I'm surprised. That after not really having interest in this Vikings job a year ago, that D'Amico is all in on this Houston job. But all signs point to him getting that job. So the Denver DC then is sitting out there. Now the Vikings, we need to get permission from the Broncos. It would be a lateral move. Would the Broncos grant that permission? I'm still curious to see what the heck takes place in Denver. Yeah. Who the heck are they going to hire? Is there still a chance it could be Jim Harbaugh? Or could the D.C. potentially enter into the mix late? Doesn't look like Sean Payton is going to land there, but they've been looking at some sort of splash hire. Dan Quinn, it looked like, had a good shot, but then he says, you know what, I'll go back to Dallas. So that Denver situation is very fascinating to me, but the Vikings would need to seek out permission to interview their D.C. Now, D'Amico, if if I recall correctly, said a year ago, because I, I think he knocked the Vikings' socks off. If I recall correctly, he said, I'm not prepared yet to be a coach, you know, like I'm comfortable or there's unfinished business to use a cliche with San Francisco. I wonder too, though, if he looked at the landscape here as well, Dukes, and said, you know what? This defense is not good because it was not. I'm a defensive guy first. Um, I also don't think that, that the Vikings were in a position to necessarily go with a defensive guy first coming off Zim. And just the importance of the offensive components that this team had. So Houston's probably a better fit now. But, yeah, I do find it intriguing that that the the Vikings talked to, what, four candidates a week and a half ago now, and that it just sort of stopped. Like, that doesn't ordinarily take place. Like, there has to be a reason why it's just stopped at the station. And I got to think that they're just – they're trying to see – What's going to unfold? Do we know when Flores is supposed to talk to the Cardinals? Has he talked to him yet? Because that's well, my understanding is yes. Now, have they scheduled second interviews? Is Arizona looking at some new names? I mean, in the last 24 hours, it seems like there's been some new information coming out of the Phoenix area. But admittedly, I am not locked in on what Arizona is doing. I just know that Flores has been in that mix. There is a sense that he wants to be a head coach again. Now, is that the right fit? 
we can have that conversation. You know, Brian's not an old guy, right? So he could wait a little bit. But I would think he'd want to play that situation now. Maybe call that reckless speculation if you want. It's more a think compared to an I know. But I just know internally, you know, they have had discussions about, hey, at least the perception would be home run higher. That if we can bring Brian Flores aboard, hey, like that is going to be celebrated big time. But yeah, like you, I mean, there's a clear interest in Sean Desai. And you look at the job he did in Chicago for multiple years, maybe he doesn't have that wow factor because he hasn't been a head coach before. But like if they announce sometime in the next week to two that Sean Desai is the new defensive coordinator, I think that hire should be celebrated in many ways. Absolutely. Uh, on to the Wolves. I've gone to the last or, or two of the last three three games. Friday night against the Grizzlies. Man, they got the Grizzlies numbers. They kicked their ass. It's fun to watch. Then I go last night, Sacramento. They can't make a free throw. They, I believe, turn the ball over 18 times, including six by Ant. And I tell you, Dukes, this team is, because they've got talent, but they are so hard to figure out. They are so, every time that you think, okay, they've turned things around, I got to read. This team pulls a 180 that's maddening to watch. So nine days until the trade deadline, what can we expect as far as uh, Tim Conley to potentially make a move to solidify things here or not? Yeah, well, yeah, you're right. I mean, a week from Thursday is the trade deadline, February 9th. The Wolves had a very good January. The schedule is now done for January. That Warriors game on Wednesday starts the schedule for February. They're expecting, by the way, sellout crowds for multiple games the rest of this homestand. So Warriors Wednesday, Jalen Suggs, Orlando on Friday, then Denver on Sunday. 11-5 in January, though, Judd. I mean, outside of Denver, no team in the Western Conference can say, hey, we had that good of a record. Now, it was a home-heavy schedule, but they took advantage of those home games. So, yes, while last night was incredibly disappointing, like to me, like grab a rebound, you know, late in regulation, Darren Fox hits that three. It's like, come on, just grab a rebound. The Wolves caught a break. I thought McDaniels, the two-minute report will come out later today, but I thought McDaniels on the tying three in regulation, he traveled, right? So the Wolves caught a break, but he hits the three. Game goes to overtime. No Sabonis, but hey, Lyles comes in and go bear. It's what we talked about going back to the summer when they made the trade. It's like, okay, Gobert can help you in the regular season, but he can be exposed in the playoffs. Well, that was an example of how he can be exposed when trying to guard Trey Lyles out at the three-point line. What so, was yeah, that was doing? incredibly was disappointing. Yeah, he should have made a move. Well, he made a post game. He should have made a move earlier. Yeah, I, I mean, you there. had to take Gobert out. Yes. You did. I mean, there were some other things, too. I mean, I thought he waited too long in the fourth quarter to go back to Ant. Yes, he did. Agreed. I thought that was one, but, you know, then you look at D'Angelo. You know, Russell's been tremendous. He deserves all sorts of credit for the way he has shot the ball. Not as many crazy turnovers. Going back a good six to eight weeks. It is a great string of basketball for D'Angelo Russell, but he wasn't good last night, right? Then you think about it. It's a one-possession game. Then Lyles is underneath for a dunk. Like, Russell just lets him go. I don't know exactly what the scheme was there, but I'm pretty sure Russell wasn't supposed to let Lyles roll around him to the backside and be wide open underneath for a dunk. 
to make it at that point. What was it? 116, 111 yeah. with like 30 seconds to go. I mean, that was the ball game because of that defensive breakdown. Maybe not all on Russell because Anderson was on Lyles and they switched. But still, like that can't happen. But on the trade deadline, the Wolves are getting calls on Tory and Prince. They're getting calls on Nas Reed. You know, we wonder about all the unrestricted free agents, Reed, Jalen Noel, D'Angelo Russell. I don't sense anything as we sit here today, Judd, is close. That Bones Highland chatter is out there. Denver's second-year guard who Tim Connolly drafted. I have no doubt in my mind that Tim Connolly really likes Bones Highland. And not only for the rest of this year, then when you think about who is the starting point guard next year, Bones Highland could fill that role. But it's just hard to come up with a match, Nuggets and Wolves. Like, I don't think Denver's doing Nas Reed for Bones Highland. Or even Nas Reed plus a second-round pick for Bones Highland. My understanding is Denver has some interest in Torian Prince. Well, there are luxury tax ramifications there. Not sure Denver's ownership group wants to increase that bill. Now, Torian Prince would help Denver not only the rest of this year, but also next year. You look at Jeff Green, Bruce Brown. I like like the Nuggets are going to lose some guys this summer. So Torian Prince would be an outstanding help for Denver, not only the rest of this year, but next year. But guess what, Judd? He's a good player for the Wolves. Like, if you're the Wolves, yeah. why would you want to give up Torian Prince? That's a great contract. It's still baffling to me why he chose to re-sign with the Wolves a few days before unrestricted free agency last July. Like, I think he could have gotten a better deal on the open market. They didn't pass him last night. Side. Yeah, well. Dukes, it was maddening yeah, to watch. That game was maddening to watch. And I'm not Mr. Basketball. I get it. No, I, I understand it. But. Like, I don't see why you would trade Prince. I just, you know, to me, like, one of the Wolves' big needs is somebody off the bench who can score, who can play some defense, you know, a wing type. Like, I'm describing Torrey and Prince. I don't understand why you would trade Torrey and Prince. But bottom line, do I think Tim Connolly is a big fan of Bones Island? Undoubtedly, 100%. Like, I think Tim Connolly would love to have Bones Highland on the Wolves. But I just don't know if I see a logical match. I got another Gobert question because you are you you and Phil are are into the X's and O's and personnel usage. So help me out here. When I watch Gobert play, okay, and I think he's now into a, a, a rhythm where it's very clear what he is, and probably more importantly, what he isn't. Why is this a struggle with um with him being in last night when Sacramento went small? Like why? Like if this was the first month, I'd be like, okay, they're trying to learn this, okay? But then I'm sure this was him with the Jazz as well. But last night, in overtime, I'm watching him, and I'm like, you got to get him out of there. Like, this makes no sense. And he's in there. I mean, is that because of salary? Like, there's no – he's not a confusing player. He's not a – well, last week I saw him play in this same situation. He was fantastic. So now this is, you know, this is on him. It's a disappointment. He is very much uh, – he is what he is. So why is there, why are we this deep into the season and there's confusion about when he's used and not used? Help me. Well, I'll try to help you the best I can. I just, I take it case by case, specifically last night. I thought Gobert had enough good moments in regulation. And everything happened so fast with Sabonis fouling out and overtime being forced with the McDaniels make. Sacramento misses there at the buzzer. Okay, we get overtime. Can't even believe how badly De'Aaron Fox missed that shot 
at the end of regulation. That that surprised me. But the game ends up going to overtime. And I just think in the moment, Chris Finch, along with like you look at their bench, they have like a million coaches. Like there literally is a coach per player. Now, some of the guys in that second row, you know, maybe there's some reluctance to to voice an opinion in that moment, right? But they have so many different support staff members, so many coaches. It shocks me that not one said, maybe they did, and Chris just said, no, I disagree. And ultimately, it's Chris's decision. But, like, I just think it took a little while for him to realize, okay, Sabonis is out. Trey Lyles is in. Lyles can stretch the floor. Okay, Sabonis can't. Like, in a weird way, that game fell Sacramento's favor because Sabonis, who's an all-star, by the way, I fully expect him to be named a reserve on Thursday night. He absolutely has earned it. But that game favored Sacramento because Sabonis fouled out as weird as that sounds. But I just think it took a little bit for Finch to realize it. But he realized it after the game. Like, I'll give him credit for that, even though fans don't want to hear it. But he admitted his mistake. He said post-game, hey, I should have made a lineup change much sooner. So you, you've been uh, giving us basically weekly Tuesday and Thursday updates on Cat since he went out with the uh, calf strain, which I think we discussed about this last week, is now, turns out, Cat admits it's a grade three, which is the worst that you could possibly have. Uh, when I went on Friday and when I went last night again, Carl Anthony Towns is not there. At least he's not on the bench, which he was. Well, he was there last night, so let me stop you there. He was there last Okay, night. I didn't see him last night. But anyway, he wasn't there on Friday and and Finch was asked about it and said that he needs to have his leg in the right elevated place or something like that with a treatment. Uh, so where do things stand with Cat now? And are we looking at are we looking at March? Are we looking at April? Like I, it just seems like it seems like this to your point from before is not making sufficient progress. And at this point in time, they're certainly not going to attempt to rush him back. So. What now do you think, uh, given what we know, is the timetable for Cat to be back? Yeah, I mean, definitely doesn't want to rush back. Heck, that's his call. You know, doesn't want to rush back. Yeah. I mean, just look at Kevin Durant a couple years ago, you know, when he eventually tore his Achilles. Like, you need to be careful yes. with that calf injury. I will say this much, Judd. My tentacles are up that there's more to the story than we're being told. Why I say that? I have a very strong sense on the Jordan McLaughlin front, and I'll reiterate what I said last week, that he is pretty darn close. Like last week I said two weeks. So as we talk now, you know, I fully expect Jordan McLaughlin to be back on the game court within, you know, seven to ten days. You know, it's shorter term. We're not talking weeks upon weeks or months. Well, Jordan McLaughlin, comparable injury. Not the same exact injury, but also a calf strain, okay? Different grade, but calf strain. But I'm not sure we've been given every detail of that situation. I'm just telling you. I'll leave it at that. Then my tentacles are up because I just don't think we've been given every detail on the McLaughlin situation. So not sure we've been given every detail on the cat situation. Now, when Chris Finch said pregame, there hasn't been a setback. Everything right now is part of the process. I don't think he's lying on that. But what exactly is the process? Is there more than meets the eye? I'll leave it at that. Just something to ponder, that there's more to the process than they have let on. Now, I'll continue to say, until I hear otherwise, I fully expect him back at some point this season. Like, I don't think this is a season-ending injury. Subject to change, but my intel right now is 
he expects to be back at some point. I'd be lying to you, Judd, if I told you, yes, March or February. Whatever. I, I don't have a timetable. I right. thought originally, way back when, before January was done. Well, we knew weeks ago he wasn't going to be back in January. I'd love to tell you, yes, he'll be back at some point in February. I don't know. I really don't know the exact date. I'm just telling you, I've been led to believe that this is not right now a season-ending injury. But I'm also telling you, I think there's more to that story than they're letting on. Interesting. Very, very juicy, Dookie. Uh, twin- I mean, just, you know, how exactly do you treat? What are some of the methods you could treat? I got you. A calf strain? Are there certain things you can do? You know, again, all-encompassing with the process. And I don't know if they'll be fully mm-hmm. transparent on the process. I'm just telling you, there are reasons for me to believe that there's more to that story. All right. Twins Fest. What, what can you tell us from your dealings and talking to folks um, at the uh, Twins first Twins Fest in like three years post-pandemic? Yeah, well, I mean, let's begin with where we bonded. You fortunately were able to, you know, get to a .15 or whatever the heck it was. Hopefully you Ubered home after the Diamond Awards at the Depot on Thursday. Went, you and Declan were there. Much. Yeah, having really a good time. Yeah, I was yeah. there working as you're there you yeah, know, yeah. having a good old time. A couple tequila sodas. Right know, I, I, me and yeah. Sir Rodney were sitting waiting for our Ubers afterwards. I don't know how many Rodney had. I don't think he had any, but I had enough for Rodney both of us. How about, that? how about that? Rodney got a car service. There's no way he was waiting for an Uber. Same thing. Car service. You can't debate that, right? It's just a different kind of car service. Right. Twins yeah. car service. Tinted <laughs> so windows anyway. for Rodney. Yeah, so I had a nice conversation with the Twins minor league player of the year who made his major league debut in September, Matt Walner. You know, of all the things I heard or was told, you know, going back to last weekend, Walner revealing that he's going through a swing change, you know, because he wants to he wants to hit the ball more. He's sick of swinging and missing. Now when he swings and connects, the ball goes, you know, a million miles, right? Like the power is off the charts, the Forest Lake native, but he is going through a swing transformation maybe not a full swing transformation but certainly tweaks to his swing to increase contact now that being said yeah he'll have a chance to probably win a job in march but realistically speaking matt walner will start the year in st paul not in minneapolis also had a brief conversation on thursday with carlos correa he loves the pablo lopez acquisition really likes all the moves that have taken place so he certainly has High hopes. Then on Friday, I had a nice conversation with Ryan Jeffers. He's coming back from the thumb injury. He feels great. He told yep. me as of Friday, he had not connected yet with Christian Vasquez, which I found interesting. You would think that these two catchers who are going to split time, likely 60-40 in favor of Vasquez, maybe 65-35. Maybe Jeffers starts against a lot of lefties. Vasquez starts against a lot of righties. But I would think, you know, you would start to build – that chemistry, right? The two catchers. Well, as of Friday morning, late morning at the luncheon that I attended, Jeffers said he had not yet connected with Vasquez. It was going to happen, but I just I found that interesting that Vasquez signed weeks prior and there hadn't even been a phone conversation. But I won't read too much into that because I'm there'll be plenty of time. Yeah, go on. You can push the panic button. I'm hearing bad blood there. Yeah, to me, you know, you've got six weeks and four Myers. I'm sure they will be fine. But that was still a headline in my mind that Jeffers told me. It just surprised me that that he had not connected yet with Vasquez. Uh, Caught up briefly. My colleague Joe Schmidt had a nice conversation with Pablo Lopez. I caught up briefly with him off camera. Just A-plus human being. Like, you know, I'm not suggesting I'm the greatest at reading people and reading body language and all that. But... You know, the spidey sense tells me 
that's a really good addition to the clubhouse. That's also what I have heard from some Miami people. It doesn't mean he's going to duplicate his numbers from 2022 here in 2023, but just as a guy, he's just he's as good as it gets, is my sense. So that is a very good addition, especially from a media standpoint, to the Twins clubhouse. <laughs> it's all about Otherwise, us. you know, I, I caught up with Jace Tingler. You know, he said, hey, we may not be done. So does that raise the possibility of the Twins adding a reliever? I still think they could use another reliever. I'd love to tell you that there's been conversation on Michael Fulmer. To me, the Twins should re-sign Michael Fulmer. But there just hasn't been that dialogue. Now, it can change. You know, it's still, you know, relatively early. We're still, what, 15, 16 days from pitchers and catchers reporting. So there's plenty of time to add a reliever. You can also add a reliever. It's not like that's a deadline. You can add a reliever late February, early March, mid-March before opening day. I'd like to think the Twins will eventually add a reliever. But it's just, it's been crickets, Judd. Right? But Jace at least alluded to that possibility that, hey, we may not be done. So, you know, that's a situation I'll be keeping an eye on. Guriel, the batting champ from a couple years ago from the Astros. Sure, the Twins have checked in. I think the Twins would happily take him on a minor league contract. I think he's still holding out for a major league contract. I guess I'll be surprised if the Twins make that offer. Interesting stuff. Uh, Max Kepler trade steam. Did you hear any of Twins best? Well, I would have loved to have caught up with Max over the weekend. He declined the Twins Fest invite. Now, well within his right, right? I mean, many players weren't there. Byron Buxton's dad was being ordained. Sonny Gray's son had a big birthday party that was planned a long time ago. I don't know if it was a golden birthday, whatever. Just Sonny Gray had some family commitments, so he wasn't there. Right, but Max Kepler was invited. He declined the invite. Didn't provide a reason. Per se, maybe he did to some people, but you know, I checked and just was told, "Hey, he was invited. He didn't show up." Now, again, let me hammer home: it wasn't required. He did not have to be here. Right? He chose to not be here. Right? Well, within his right. But I would have loved to have caught up with Max. I'll tell you what I, you know, have said for a while, going back to early November. Some people close to Max have been anticipating a trade. You know, you look at teams like Texas, Colorado, Tampa, the Yankees. Probably some others. I mean, there's interest. I mean, Miami has had some interest in Kepler. So the trade interest is out there. But at this point, can you make the case with Larnick and Walner having options? Can you make the case that why not start the season with Kepler? See if the shift change really is beneficial, you know, more so to him than anyone else. So why not roll with Max for a bit? Baldelli, Rocco Baldelli, spoke to the Dunkers Club last Thursday morning. He brought that up, that the shift really the last couple of years has gotten into Max Kepler's head, that it has yep. played mind games with him. So there's a thought that now with the rule change, that that can really aid him more so than any other player. So you could start with an outfield of Gallo, Buxton, and Kepler with Taylor as the main backup, you could go with that. Kyle Farmer is a main backup in the infield. You know, if Alex Kirloff is okay, he starts at first. You've got Polanco at second, Correa at short, Miranda at third, Vasquez behind the plight. So you could roll with something like that with those outfielders, those other outfielders having minor league options. But with all that depth, it just eventually makes logical sense 
that like a Kepler trade is coming. I just can't pinpoint exactly when. Like, could it come in July at the trade deadline? Is that when you move in? Like, to me, a trade seems very possible. Yeah. There just hasn't been really like legit steam the last even, you know, going back all the way almost to the winter meetings, going back about four or five weeks, six who, weeks. Who starts at first base if Kirloff runs into problems with that bone in his arm that's been shaved down? Well, I mean, you know, I mean, you could move Miranda over there, then have Kyle Farmer play third base. The other thing that has been brought up, he really hasn't played much first base going back, what, we have to go back to 2018. I don't have his baseball reference page right in front of me, but Joey Gallo yeah, is that, that big body. So depending on matchups, if you want to play Taylor, you know, Buxton, and Kepler in the outfield, you could in some cases play Gallo, that big body. You know, he's got great hands. I mean, he's a gold glove outfielder. But that big body can translate to first base. It's not completely foreign to him. I'm just telling you, maybe Declan can look it up real quick on baseball reference. I, just, I feel much, like he, he hasn't played much first base for like, Correct. what, five years? I think it's yeah. five years, four years, five yes. years. But the reason I bring that up is because the Twins have brought that up. It wasn't necessarily on my radar, but they volunteered that information going back to December 20th when we connected with Gallo at Target Field. So I wouldn't necessarily rule that out. They certainly have some options. Final scoopages. What else you got for us? I mean, that's pretty much it, Judd. I mean, you know, that's what I'm keeping an eye on. You know, I wanted to check on Dawson Garcia's status for the game tomorrow at Rutgers. But truth be told, I mean, I sent a text. I haven't gotten anything back. But truth be told, I feel like Gophers men's basketball is so far off the radar. Right? Yeah. And ben Johnson oh, yeah. is my guy. Dave Thorson is my guy. But, like, you know, I go to youth basketball tournaments almost every weekend. And, you know, just based on what I do and doing it long enough here in town, enough people – you know, say, hey, Dukes and all that. And, you know, people want to know about Vikings defensive coordinator. You know, with Twins Fest, I get some Twins inquiries. Certainly with, you know, my passion for the NBA, for the Wolves. You know, I get that question, what you asked me. Hey, will the Wolves do anything heading into the trade deadline? I think people know that, you know, I'm not hardcore wild, so I don't necessarily get wild inquiries. But, like, nobody asked me about Gophers. Well, really, Gophers football or Gophers basketball. You know, now I, I sense there's enough interest in Gophers football, but I just I don't get any inquiries about Gophers basketball. I really don't. On Gophers football, though, I spent some time last week with John Michael Schmitz. He's now in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. The Vikings obviously have a healthy contingent of front office folks, coaches down in Mobile for all the practices and the game later this week. Most of the practices, though, that ramp up today. John Michael Schmitz looks fantastic. Like I'll be surprised if if he falls below pick 65 to 70. Like, I just don't see how he gets to the Vikings third round pick, right? So depending on what takes place with Garrett Bradbury, will the Vikings be in the market for a center? Like he can play, you know, the Vikings blocking scheme. Like John Michael Schmitz would be a really good fit with the Vikings, but I just don't know how he gets to round three. So to me, that would have to be a quasi special, maybe move back from pick 23, accumulate a couple picks, maybe in the second round then use one of those picks on Michael Schmitz. Awesome stuff, Dukes. We'll talk to you Thursday, okay? Okay, sounds good, boys. Thank you.